Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. I am your host, Doug, and with me in our virtual studio are Erica and Elliot. Hello. Hi. And in the background, on the ones and twos, keeping it real, is Damien. Hello. So, today we are going to be talking about fluoride. <clears throat> We've done a number of shows on fluoride before, um, and you know, basically pointed out all the terrible things about it and why it should not be put um, voluntarily into the drinking water. Um, but recently, there was some, there's been some recent news because there's been uh, um, an actual lawsuit going on recently. Um, well, maybe I'll just say, uh, like, on Mercola right now, um, there is an article called um, Fluoride on Trial. EPA scientists admit fluoride harms the brain. Um, actually, we've got that one up on SOT, SOT.net, um, and it uh, has, it's an article about the, the lawsuit that's going on right now, but they actually have a video of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Um, interviewing the uh, lead attorney for the Fluoride Action Network, who um, is involved in the lawsuit against the EPA right now. Um, and I highly recommend anybody watch that video. It's only half an hour, so it's not too long. Um, and it's very interesting, but we're going to go through some of it today. Um, so basically, it was a case where um, for a long time, um, different groups have been kind of petitioning the uh, EPA about fluoride in the water, bringing to their attention different um, scientific uh, articles, studies that have been done showing the harms, the risks, that sort of thing, and have more or less been ignored. Um, the group, the current group that um, FAN, Florida Action Network, is kind of heading, um, use something called Section 21 of the TOSCA, um, Toxic Substance Control Act, which actually allows citizens of non-governmental organizations to petition the EPA um, to remove toxic substances found to pose an unreasonable risk. Um, so they used that to uh, send a petition to the EPA um, and this actually is currently the, the first one that has actually gone to trial, um, which began November 22nd of 2016. And the people behind it are FAN, so Florida Action Network, Food and Water Watch, Organic Consumers Association, American Academy of Environmental Medicine, International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, Moms Against Fluoridation, and several individuals um, on their own just kind of filed this petition. The petition was made on the grounds that there's a large body of research that demonstrates fluoride is neurotoxic, which the EPA currently does not recognize. They say that it's only um, toxic uh, to the bones and teeth. Um, but they have found that it is neurotoxic um, in the range that water is actually fluoridated in communities. So the range that people are being exposed to constantly in these fluoridated communities um, are actually um, possibly suffering neurotoxic effects from that. Um, so they included over uh, 2,500 pages of scientific documentation detailing all the health risks. Uh, the EPA actually denied the petition on February 27th of 2017 on the grounds that it had failed to present a scientif scientifically defensible basis to conclude that anyone had in fact suffered neurotoxic harm as a result, a result of fluoride exposure. So what they did was they turned around and actually sued them. Um, they took them to court. 
Um, and that court case has actually um, wrapped up recently. Um, and the current status, I, I'll just go through the whole thing right now, but basically the current status is that the judge ruled that the EPA had illegitimately denied fans 2016 petition uh, for the Tosca, for Tosca action. Um, and he said that the EPA during these years of litigation has used the wrong standard to accept, assess this evidence. Uh, at the end, he said he basically gave it to the EPA. They gave, he gave them a chance to reassess um, given the uh, studies that had been brought forward. Um, and the lawyer, um, Conant, who is the guy who JFK or RFK Jr. was um, interviewing, um, expressed his concern to the court that the EPA has a history of dragging its feet on the issue and that there's enough evidence to take immediate protective action. But the judge said that he expects their um, reevaluation to be uh, done within months, not years. And the judge made it clear that he has the evidence and he will make a ruling if the EPA doesn't do something about it. So that's a quick kind of rundown of what happened in that case. So it's good news, essentially. I mean, the judge has basically said, if the EPA doesn't do anything about it, then I'm going to do something about it. Um, whether, I mean, what is actually done about it is a big question. We don't actually know because um, if they just start getting a series of fines, they could very easily ignore the problem and keep on fluoridating um, the water in multiple communities where that's happening. Um, but, you know, it's hopeful, at least. It's, uh, there's possibility that this might actually end water fluoridation in the U.S. I'm not a big believer in the EPA. I think it's interesting that um, this case is going through them. You know, we've done, <laughs> like fluoride in the past, a lot about the EPA and basically how they're beholden to big business and they're easily bought and paid for. Uh, so I don't have a lot of faith, but I do think uh, the video is worth watching because what stuck out to me most important is that they really want to present this like how they did lead in the, you know, when gasoline was leaded and the neurotoxic effects that it had on children in particular um, and how eventually lead was banned. And that's why we all have unleaded gas in the U.S. But it seems like these types of things take years, if not decades. And um, as RFK Jr. let the lawyer know, like, well, now you can sit back and enjoy a cigar because you worked your ass off pretty much to get this information out and you did a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. and, and I do think comparing it for people that, you know, don't follow all these kind of in-depth lawsuits, like very basically, like this is something in the environment that, you know, though it may help prevent cavities, which we're all told, hey. the neurological effects, I mean, I'd rather have a brain than, than you know, <laughs> not, not have cavities personally. And and again, it's really the, the biggest effects are on children, especially uh, pregnant women prenatally because their uh, blood brain barrier isn't developed enough. So if you're drinking fluoridated water and you're pregnant, you are affecting your fetus. And I think that's concerning, just like lead was concerning, you know, so that that may be a good way that they chose to go about dealing with that, you know. Yeah, it seems as though, I mean, it's taken so long for this to, for this to come about. And as you just said, Erica, it takes, sometimes it takes time 
time for these things to happen, it makes it substantially more difficult when you have financial interests Mm -hmm. um, involved uh, because there are financial interests involved in fluoridating water. That's for sure. Um, it's, It's in many respects a business model and it's been sold to the general public on false grounds, false grounds completely from a scientific basis. Um, there are many kind of false assumptions. And when you dig into some of the literature on the specifics of water fluoridation and on the types of fluoride that is present, it turns out that the type of fluoride that they put into the water supply has nothing to do with benefits for teeth. Mm. Right? We're dealing with two different types of fluoride bound to different kinds of minerals. So actually, it seems as though this whole premise is based on lies, based mm-hmm. on false evidence and based on lies. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, what they've been uh, fluoridating the water, at least in the US, for what, 70 years now? More than 70 years, nearly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of the many lies that has gone kind of unchallenged and hopefully it will come to light. Unfortunately, that doesn't make it any better for the people who've been damaged by fluoride knowingly and unknowingly um but there's there's hope right <laughs> there's yeah. hope. yeah it's interesting because the case for fluoride for teeth has always been pretty weak um you know a lot of the the evidence for it was kind of like you know they looked at the historical data and they said oh yeah there wasn't any fluoride in the water and then people had bad teeth and then they put fluoride in the water and suddenly everybody had good teeth but the thing is if you compare uh, communities that underwent fluoridation and those that didn't, you actually see that there was an improvement in dental health kind of across the board regardless. Like, take fluoride out of the picture completely and there was an improvement in dental health across the board. And that probably came from things like, um, well, it, who knows what it came from, actually. It, it might have just been people more conscious about oral health. Um, it could be any number of things. It might also have been the... Um, the fact that um, fluoride started to be, uh, or people became more concerned with with oral health, like you know flossing and, and brushing and all that sort of thing, um, there might be some evidence for topical use of fluoride, um, you know, but that's not the same thing as swallowing it, right? So there is barely there is no evidence that actually ingesting fluoride um, actually helps with your teeth at all. Like there isn't any evidence for that. They topical applications, there's some. You know, that could maybe be argued that, yes, putting putting fluoride on topically and then spitting it out, not actually swallowing it. Yeah, it might actually help your teeth. Um, but even that, you know, there's 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 a lot of debate on it. It's not it's not a clear cut picture by any means. So the fact that they just continue to hold to these myths and insist on this fluoridation, um, it, it is lies, essentially, like you said, um, Elliot, like it is uh, basically just. Um, building up a case on the back of lies. Yeah, looking at just some of the basics for the audience, um, and now bear in mind, I'm by no means an expert in in fluoride chemistry. I think it's enormously complex. Um, But based on on the the very, very, very basic chemistry of fluoride, um, and this is stemming from a very good article, uh, it's a scientific paper called The Physiologic Conditions, affect toxicity of ingested industrial fluoride. Now, I've got to give it to the authors of this paper. They are not, 
they're not messing around, you know. They are very vocal that industrial fluoride added to the water supply is fundamentally harmful for human beings. And so they present a very good scientific argument for this. Now, when we talk about fluoride, fluoride is a mineral, okay? There's no physiologic physiologic function in the human body for fluoride, meaning that the body doesn't require fluoride to function normally. Now, it's debated as to whether we can use it for a purpose or not, but generally, the intake of fluoride is very low, okay? We might find it naturally in some water supplies. There are other water supplies, and I'm talking about natural you know, um, well water or mountain water or whatever it is from a spring. Some might have fluoride naturally occurring. Others might not. Now, the quality of water is not determined by the fluoride content, okay? It's somewhat irrelevant as to whether it's got fluoride in or not. Now, the type of fluoride that you find naturally occurring in a water is called calcium fluoride, okay? It's important to know that fluoride is what is called a chelator, for calcium, it has it, it can kind of bind with calcium. They have like a a relationship with one another, and so generally, calcium is bound very tightly with fluoride, and that's the that's the type that we find naturally in nature. Okay, now this is insoluble. What that means is is that we don't absorb much of this at all, if any. Okay. So the, the amount that you get in water is so minuscule and the, the amount that's absorbed is so minuscule that it's in many respects, it's irrelevant, right? Mm. Now, on the other hand, if we look at industrial fluoride, which is what they fluoridate the water with, it's basically uh, a byproduct, a chemical byproduct. I believe it's from the aluminium industry. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. One of the yeah? industries, okay. yeah. So one of the industries. There's probably loads, right? Mm. Basically, <laughs> right. Yeah. So they come up with this, with this unnatural man-made chemical. Now this is sodium fluoride. Okay. So there, the mineral that fluoride is bound to is different. It's not calcium, it's sodium. What that means is it's highly soluble. Mm. That means that in water it dissociates. And that means that we absorb a lot of it. Okay. So right there immediately, we see a primary difference between calcium fluoride and sodium fluoride, industrial fluoride is that one is basically indigestible or inabsorbable. We basically take it in the gut and it goes out. The other one, we absorb almost all of it, okay? Now, there are some fundamental problems with sodium fluoride in that this is highly neurotoxic. Now, the arguments which are based on this idea that fluoride is good for the teeth and that fluoride is not toxic is based on calcium fluoride mm. because what they found is that the toxicity level for naturally occurring calcium fluoride is very 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 low meaning that you need a lot of it a lot i think it's 3600 milligrams per kilogram body weight huh. to experience a lethal dose okay now on the other hand we compare that to sodium fluoride and sodium fluoride because you absorb so much of it that means that the toxicity level is much, much, much higher. And so there have been several cases of individuals who have actually died there on the spot from having too much um, fluoride. Basically, what happens is, is when sodium fluoride is gets into the stomach, because the stomach is acidic, um, it basically forms something called hydrofluoroic acid, I think it is. And that is what's absorbed. Now, that is a highly toxic chemical, 
And there's been several cases. There was a case in 1994 um, looking where they basically the the um, the local kind of council or municipality, I guess you'd call it, they accidentally put a little bit too much fluoride into the water. Um, and this ended up with an individual who um, who died basically there and then from a heart attack. It was a 41-year-old old male. Um, now, what happens is, is one of the ways that fluoride is so toxic, one of the effects is on the heart, okay? And we have to understand is it has to do with this relationship between calcium and fluoride. So whichever tissue in your body needs a lot of calcium, fluoride can negatively impact that tissue, okay? So the heart, the heart needs calcium to keep on beating. It's one of the um, the only tissues in the body that requires calcium at such a high level. And if you don't have calcium, you can end up with a heart attack or you essentially die, right? So fluoride in its sodium form and its industrial form, one of the main ways that it kills people or that it causes toxicity is basically chelating calcium, causing someone to become deficient in calcium and immediately basically in many cases, it causes fatal heart attack, like there and that. Um, and I, I suspect, I'm not sure of the mechanisms, I should have looked into this, but I suspect this is probably one of the reasons why it is also, or at least one of the reasons why it's so detrimental to the nervous system. Because in the nervous system, what you have to understand is that the cells, the way that they function, it applies to all cells, but particularly in the nervous system, the cells use different, um, different minerals to fulfill different functions. So you have in the nerve cells, you have these things called calcium channels. And these are really important for how essentially nerves are firing, neurons are firing. Now, if you have a calcium chelator or if you have fluoride, just acting on that mechanism alone, that is without doubt going to affect how the nerves or how the neurons function. I think there's probably multiple other ways. They say that it can calcify the pineal gland or they can calcify different areas of the brain, mainly because it's kind of binding with calcium and it's taking it to places where it shouldn't ordinarily be. Mm. But there's, there's several cases. There's, there's lots of research showing that there is a, like an inverse correlation between industrial fluoridation in water and children's IQ. That's mm. been very well established. It's been known that uh, industrial fluoridation causes dental fluorosis. I mean, unfortunately, the area that I grew up in, um, a small village, it was one of the only areas in the UK that was fluoridated. And I am pretty sure that I have, um, you know, I, I succumbed to some fluorosis growing up. Um, as, per, I, as per from what I know, I don't think that's reversible. But ultimately, what it can do is, is it, it's, it's robbing the body of calcium, right? It's taking it from, t from tissues that need it. Um, and so that can be the bones, that can be the, the enamel of the teeth. Um, and in many cases, the main storage of fluoride in people who do undergo or do who, who do drink water, which is uh, fluoridated, it gets stored in the bones. But then what that does is the body is sequestering fluoride in the bones, but then that actually reduces um, the strength of the bones. And so this mm. is one of the reasons why it's been um, th why it's thought to play a key role in um, in fracture rates in poor you know, osteopenia or osteoporosis or any of these other kind of bone related conditions that the elderly tend to experience at a higher rate than usual or a higher rate now than they did historically is potentially because of this uh, excessive water fluoridation. There's lots of ways that this negatively affects the body, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an abomination that it was even, that it was ever allowed to occur, right? But now yeah. we've got the science to back it up. I mean, it seems 
pretty clear that they need to stop doing this as soon as possible. Yeah. I always found it really crazy that on the back of toothpaste tubes, you'd have the number for poison control and told to <laughs> dial it if, uh, if your child ate too much toothpaste. And meanwhile, they're just dumping it into the water. It's kind of like, how does that make any sense at all? You know, something that's in the water all the time shouldn't be a poison. Well, yeah. But interesting that you mentioned the IQ thing too, Elliot. Um, there was one article um, called The Historical Court Case, The Fluoride Cover-Up Will Soon Be Exposed, which is essentially, it's from a while ago, but it was covering the same case. But there was just a pull quote that um, about partway down the, the page that says, as of 2020, there have been 72 fluoride IQ studies of which 64 found a lower IQ among children with higher fluoride exposure. Uh, many of the earlier studies were in places with elevated natural fluoride levels. There is now very strong evidence that fluoride damages both the fetal and infant brain at the levels used in artificially fluoridated areas. So I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah. Um... Yeah. One other thing um, that is actually mentioned in that interview with um, with Conant um, by RFK Jr. Uh, he mentions that um, it's actually fairly well established. You can correct me if I'm wrong in this, uh, Elliot, but I think it's fairly well established that fluoride actually um, decreases the effectiveness of the thyroid. Like it actually um, modulates the thyroid in a, a negative manner. Um, mm -hmm. So much so, I think that even in cases of hyperthyroid, they actually used to use fluoride to uh, bring the thyroid kind of back into more uh, balance. Um, but one of the things that they have said, one of the mechanisms by which they think that the, um, the IQ lowering mechanism essentially is that through that um, lowering of uh, the thyroid in pregnant mothers. You know, uh, pregnant mothers, uh, it's also been well established that um, women who have a low functioning thyroid um, when pregnant, um, it can be detrimental to the IQ of their children once they're born. And so women drinking fluoridated water while they're pregnant have a lower thyroid and therefore end up with children with lower IQs. It's not, you know, it's not a smoking gun, but it's kind of a theorized um, mechanism there. Yeah, well, if we look at the the chemical family, if you look at fluoride on a like a, what is it, the periodic table kind mm -hmm. of thing, it's what is part of a it's part of like a, a family of different chemicals or minerals elements which are referred to as the halogens. Mm -hmm. So in the, the halogens, you have uh, bromide or bromine, you have iodine, you have fluorine, and you have chlorine. Okay, so they're all related very much related and what you only use i mean you only use one of them as a as a, a nutritional comp uh, a nutritional element and that's iodine okay but unfortunately because these halogens they share like a, a similar kind of chemical structure let's say then what can happen is is that intake of other of the halogens other other elements of that group so instead of iodine, intake of bromine, intake of chlorine, or intake of fluorine as fluoride, the similar thing, what that can do is that can affect the tissues or affect the cells in a way that the halogen is meant to. Um, how, how to explain this? Basically, too much chlorine, too much bromine, or too much fluorine in the form of fluoride 
can displace iodine, mm -hmm. okay? Or it can bind to the cells, which iodine are meant to bind to, but it can block the function of those cells. So for instance, in the thyroid gland, we need iodine, we need selenium to essentially make thyroid hormone. It's essential. You have two main thyroid hormones. You have four, but you have two main ones. One is T4 and one is T3. T4, the, the four actually stands for four iodines, okay? T3, three iodines. So iodine is so essential for making thyroid hormone. You need it. You cannot make thyroid hormone without it. But if you've got a bunch of fluorine or as fluoride, same applies to bromine, same applies to chlorine. What this can do is it can displace iodine. It can bind to the thyroid in place of iodine, but the thyroid can't use it as it would iodine. Mm. So this is a real problem. And yeah, that's an excellent point. I didn't mention that, but that I think is probably one of the other primary mechanisms by which fluoride um, harms the human body. And if we look at Hashimoto's thyroiditis, hypothyroidism, hyperthyroidism, thyroid conditions are skyrocketing, particularly in the US, mm -hmm. particularly in the US. So it just, it's another reason to add to the list as to why the health of the general population is declining at such a rapid rate. You know, aside from all the other things we talk about on the show, <laughs> yes. I mean, there's, there's count, countless different elements, countless different factors. Fluoride is another one to add to the list. Yeah. Well, there was also an article uh, carried on SOT several years ago about fluoride po poison in your tap water, and they talk about some other effects of fluoride on your body. So it accelerates the aging process, causes genetic damage, contributes to arthritis and joint pain, increases the incidence of cancer and tumor growth, and interrupts DNA repair. And one thing that was interesting uh, they were talking about as uh, uh, contributing to arthritis and joint pain. Um, they're saying basically the first signs fluoride has poisoned your bones is that you have pain in your joints, which in the U.S. is very common. Mm. And as you both were saying earlier, like almost every major city in the U.S. has fluoride added to the water. Uh, it is like a state issue, um, community issue. I think in the video they were saying that Portland is the only one that doesn't add fluoride to the water, but they were talking about this joint pain and um, so many Americans have it and doctors aren't making that connection. You know what I mean? That, you, that you're drinking fluoridated water. I mean, obviously doctors aren't making a lot of connections, but um, <laughs> there's, True. it just seems like, uh, you know, with these accelerated issues, especially in aging people, you would think that this type of information would be kind of key. Like, well, are you drinking fluoridated water? Maybe you should stop drinking, you know, start drinking bottled water, things like that. But it just seems so pernicious, you know what I mean? To accelerate the aging process. I mean, genetic damage, but again, as I was saying in the beginning, like, so you have fewer cavities. I don't know if that's uh fewer cavities, but you're crazy. And you can't walk or move because your bo mm. your bones and joints are stiff. I but mean, you got a perfect smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that I think is so egregious about this is that it is something that is just completely 100% unnecessary. Like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the things we talk about on the show, it's kind of like 
you know, other toxicities that are out there might be, you know, the result of some kind of industrial process or through farming or something like that with the glyphosate and all that kind of stuff. It's like people, they're ignoring the negative effects because they're getting some kind of benefit out of it. But the fluoride thing, it's like there is no benefit. There's nothing. It's like they're just adding it to the water for no reason. I mean, they say they have a reason, but there is literally no reason. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that other things they might, you know, as a result of like industrial pollution or something like that, they might be like, well, you know, we need um, this industry. So it's an unfortunate consequence or something like that. But with the fluoride, it's like there's nothing. There's no reason for them to be doing this, which is why it's like it it has a special place in my heart. A little bit (laughs) of of hate there for this process. Or it could be, and you know, this is just a short point. We won't go much into it. Putting on the tinfoil hat, like mm. intentional, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, the fact that they add it to frozen foods, that they add it to, it's in all beverages. If they're making, you know, beer, wine. If you're, especially in the U.S., if you're using U.S. water sources to make these types of beverages, and you know, in the past, in past shows, we've talked about it actually dumbing people down. Mm-hmm. You know. They so, put it in medications too. Yeah, I mean, it could it could really be more nefarious than just oh, we don't really know the science, you know. Yeah, totally. Well, there's that whole connection. If we we can continue down this road of the tinfoil hat stuff, there's the whole connection to the pineal gland. Um, mm-hmm. The idea that the pineal gland is actually what um, connects us to kind of higher. Uh, I don't know, higher things. <laughs> I won't, go, <laughs> won't go too much into that, I guess. But um, the idea that that this uh, this um, element is actually calcifying that gland, um, making it less functional, cutting you off kind of from those higher influences. Maybe it's not by accident. We shall see, right? <laughs> <laughs> In the age where slowly things are being revealed, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's probably what we had to say about fluoride this week. Unless you guys had anything you wanted to add. Fluoride is not good. Bingo. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And on that point, (laughs) thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Um, Be sure to like and subscribe um, if you so desire. Uh, We'll be back next week uh, with another fantastic show. Uh, Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.